0: Alrighty, so the test tomorrow is going to be a short one. Uh, like I said, it's only 20 questions, so I don't anticipate it taking you a long time. Uh, so if you are a Zoomer, then you can feel free to take the test, you know, sometime throughout the day. You don't necessarily have to be uh, in class to take the test. Uh, face-to-face, obviously, you'll be asked to take the test uh, during the, the class session. You can choose to, to take it, on the computer, which will be the easiest way, or I can print you a copy. It's no big deal. I don't mind doing that. So uh, we'll do it either way, and we'll, we'll take this thing uh, tomorrow. It'll be open uh, for a little bit. I did set a timer, uh, but it's not enforced, just so you have an idea. Hey, I'm getting the 45 minutes. This test shouldn't have taken me 45 minutes, um, so I need to you know, check my life and figure out why I'm taking so long on this test because so, it shouldn't take me out anyways, let's get going. Um, So like I said, there is a lot of graph questions. There's a lot of passage questions to to look at on this. So for that reason, uh, because there's so many stimulus-based questions, I did make a few that are kind of lower level. And when I say lower level, that just means that, you know, their depth of knowledge one questions, which is just really, hey, I remember this. All right. Um, And it's not really having to understand anything. So, you know, just because there's so many stimulus-based questions, I do like to give your brain a little break uh, here and there. Let's get going though. So political socialization is the first thing. And that is pretty simple. And it's going to be a pretty simple question on the test, I think. Uh, but it's just where you get your political ideas, your political leanings. Alrighty. And the number one answer is always going to be family is where you get your stuff from. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, y'all are young adults at this point. Uh, but at growing up, you probably heard your, your parents or your family members talking either to other adults or to other family members about issues, Alrighty, righty? Uh, and you have, whether you wanted to or not, developed some political leanings based on what your parents, what your family members, your close family members believe also. Um, so it's just it how, it's how it happens, it's, and it, it's just the way it works, okay? Now, as you get older, you might change. You know, uh, I grew up a certain way. I told y'all and I consider myself more middle of the road nowadays and probably even more libertarian leaning than anything. So, you know, I've changed. Uh, we'll see how you do. But family is always gonna be the number one answer where you get your stuff. Uh, and it's just, you pass it on those, those beliefs. Uh, school is another place, uh, especially you know, as you progress and get more education, uh, you'll start to run in circles that talk more. You probably, you know, There's probably some political talk at at the high school level, but not as much as there will be once you get out on your own and into the colleges and things like that. So the higher education you get, uh, the more political you'll get, and maybe that changes your views. Um, Other places that you might get, school, right? we just talked about that, Uh, friends, peers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Religion used to be big. It still kind of is, but it's not as much as it was. Uh, the media plays a role, all right, in your political belief. So uh, there's any number of places you can get political ideas from, but for the most part, uh, family is going to always be number one. All right, next up is polling, and we got a couple things there, uh, the different types and the terminology. So there's two types that we're going to talk about, and that is the uh, exit polls and the tracking polls, and the tracking polls is also on here again, uh, down here at the uh, couple just below the polling, so we'll talk about those. You know, we're going to talk about it now, so I'm not going to talk about it again. So first off is the tracking poll. And remember, this is something that's run internally by candidates running for whatever office. It, it, we, we're going to talk about the president because that's the easiest one. But every candidate that's running for something is running some kind of polls. You don't just go into situations blind. So the tracking polls are run. They're run all the time, 24 hours. Okay. Uh, and typically they do two things. They're measuring, first off, am I winning or losing? all right, in, in these states and places, uh, and then they're going to measure the issues. So they're going to run the polls to decide if they're winning or not, or not to decide if they're winning, but to see if they're winning, because they need to know where to divert the resources, all right? If Joe Biden runs a poll in California, it's probably going to come back that he's ahead pretty good. I don't see any path to a California victory for Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, Maybe I'm wrong, but I would be willing to bet a lot of money that Joe Biden will win California in this coming-up election, all right, uh, just because of the, just because of everything. So if he's running a poll out there and it shows he's up by 30%, does he need to divert many resources to California? Does he need to run a bunch of commercials and things like that? No, he doesn't, right, all right, because he's, he's pretty much got it in the bag. But let's say that we're down here in Georgia, and there are some Democrats that think Georgia could be in play. I personally think we it was very close in 2018 at the governor level but I think it, I think Georgia's kind of shifted a little more red since then. So I think Georgia's going to be pretty safe for Trump. But we'll have to see. Huh? Well, I, I know that's what I'm like. A lot of Democrats thought it was going to be. But I, I'm thinking personally that it's it's shifted a little more red now. Just what I believe. I don't know. Maybe it might still be a swing state. But, uh, um, and that the, the, the belief of the swing state is because the, the, the governor election in 2018 was so close between Kemp and Abrams. Like it came down to just a couple of votes. So a lot of Democrats saw that, and they're like, "Man, Georgia's in play for the Democrats in 2020." But like I, said, I, I personally think, from what I've heard and read, I think we've shifted more solidly to the red. We'll see what we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, you know, anything can happen. Anyways, so uh, if if Trump sees that he's ahead only by two percent here in Georgia, then what's he need to do? Well, he needs to divert more resources, right? He needs to run more ads. He probably needs to come down and visit Georgia and, and do some talks. So that's what they're looking for. All right, where do I send my resources? Where am I going to spend all this money that I'm getting from the campaign to, to run ads and commercials and things like that? And, you know, if someone brought up the battleground states or the swing states, that's where most of the stuff's going to be spent. So think North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, places like that, uh, there's going to be a lot of money spent there, all right? Uh, and then the other thing was the issues. You want to know the issues of where you're going. So you don't want to come to Georgia and talk about things that matter to Californians. Because guess what? They probably don't matter to us here in Georgia. So you're going to have to know what does the people of Georgia want me to talk about when I get there. All right. So that's a tracking poll. And then the and the media runs them also because the media likes to have talking points. And then the other type was the exit poll. And the exit poll, remember, uh, that's going to be run after you leave the voting booth. And it's going to kind of be an informal thing where somebody, media probably, just asks you, hey, how did you vote? Uh, they're not to be trusted because people tend to lie when they come out of the, the voting booth. Uh, the other thing about exit polls is we don't really need them anymore. So they're not as valuable as they used to be because everything's electronic nowadays. And so we, we have these things counted pretty quickly. All right. So in, in November, we're going to know pretty early on this person has won this state. Now, the mail-in ballots could throw us for a loop here because they have to count them, and they have three, I think I think it's three days to get in in most places. I think it varies from place to place, but I think here in Georgia, I think you have three days from November 3rd, um, as long as it's postmarked that you got it in the mail on that Tuesday. I think you have a couple of days to get it in. So we might be a little bit behind, all right, in um, knowing. If you watch the coverage in 2016, you know, it went late into the night, because uh, there was a couple of those battleground states that were up in the air, up in the Northeast. Uh, they did not make the call, I think, until like 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I did not stay up that late all right, to, to watch the coverage. Uh, I'll wake up and see it in the morning. So. But anyways, so that's that. Uh, the terminology you got to know, a couple things there. It's the sample size. Remember, you know, this is something you want to know when you're looking at a poll, is how many people did they poll? If they polled five people, is that a good poll? No, it's not. Or if they polled only Biden supporters people who are gonna vote Biden regardless, is that gonna really tell you who's who's gonna win? No, so you need to poll quite a few people, all right? And you also need to poll uh, a good sampling, a random sampling of people to get an idea of who's gonna do what. And polls are, are really not to be trusted, remember? Just because not everybody's gonna get be, be telling the truth. Not everybody's gonna be polled. Uh, remember, if people don't answer their phones anymore, uh, they don't want to be talked to, don't want to be bothered. So any number of things can, can throw a poll off. So just keep that in mind. The other thing is the uh, sampling error. Remember, this is a pretty big number, or pretty important number to look at when you're looking at polls and you're going to see a bunch of polls coming up. Uh, if you see one that's plus or minus 10, that's a pretty big swing. It's 50-50, but the plus or minus is 10. It could actually be 60-40, right? Then that'd be a pretty big difference. So just keep that in mind. And when you see those polls and look at polls, Uh, I need to look at the plus or minus stuff. Alrighty. All right. Liberals versus conservatives, Republicans versus uh, Democrats, whatever you want to call it. Um, This is the the ideologies and it kind of plays into the ideologies that are down there uh, a little bit further on down in the, uh, the, what you call it. And um, just what you need to remember is. um, Someone had put something in the chat. I was reading it. Sorry. Um, Liberals, Democrats, all right, they tend to want to be have more government involvement in the economics, in the big business area. They want to regulate, they want to tax them, okay, but less government involvement when it comes to personal choices, all right. So uh, abortion, to be pro-choice and things like that. Uh, Democrats also tend to want to do more social programs to help people, to help people that need help, like the poor. Uh, and need assistance, so you tend to see that, okay, on the, on the Democratic side, the liberal side. On the conservative side, uh, it's going to be more pro-big business, so let's take a step back. The government stays out of the big business stuff. They deregulate. They let them work. They let them create jobs, stimulate the economy that way, but then they're going to have more government involvement in our personal freedoms and personal choices, okay? And then on the social side, uh, they tend to, uh, you know, there's a misconception they don't want to help the poor, they're okay helping the poor. I mean, most Republicans are going to say, hey, we're okay. We just don't want it to become a constant thing. We want you to, to get the assistance that you need and then get back on your feet, all righty? Um, so there is, is that side. So that's there's a couple other things we talked about, but for the most part, I think that's the big picture you need to know about liberals versus conservatives, Republicans versus Democrats. I did not put a libertarian thing on here, but just remember, libertarians are going to be where the government should just stay out of everything for the most part. The government should exist and provide some services, but at the end of the day, uh, the government should not be involved in making decisions for me and you, All righty, All right, voting behaviors, uh, and I put on there a couple of things, national versus local elections, turn up by demographics, and things like that. First off, the national versus local elections, um, you know, that's going to be what we have in November. We have the president, we have the our Congress seats up in D.C. up for, for, for grabs. Uh, local elections are going to be the state elections, you know. Uh, and we'll have some – you'll be able to go vote for our state senators and our state representatives and stuff like that uh, on November 3rd. And, um, but sometimes there's local elections that, take, that happen outside of the national elections. And just to understand, voter turnout is going to be much higher for the national elections than they are for the local elections. Although I argue that at the end of the day – you know, people are going to go vote for the president because people think the president's the most important position out there, okay? But in reality, who really makes decisions for us? Well, Congress does. So your congressional elections are much more important to me, all right? Because they're the ones that are actually making laws. And even more important than our national congressional elections are our local congressional elections. Those are the people that are really going to make laws that affect us, okay? Okay there's not been any kind of you know, abortion bill or anything like that at the federal level. <laughs> but guess who made an abortion bill, what, last year? Georgia did. Now, it got shut down. But the, the the fact of the matter is, Georgia made one that made it very difficult to get an abortion here in the state of Georgia. All right? So in the reality, what's going to be more important, our state elections or our national elections? At the end of the day, you know, I'm going to go vote in the national election. I'm going to go vote for president and things like that. But do I really think that whoever wins is going to really affect anything? You know, you heard all this stuff that Trump was supposed to do and all these changes were made, but I'm still teaching the same standards, even though we have a pretty weird, I'm going to try and be nice about the the Secretary of Education, but, you know, there's supposed to be all these changes happening, but I'm still teaching the same stuff. So is it going to be that big of a deal? All right. Uh, And I'm not trying to take away, I know there's a lot of other issues at at play here. Uh, I'm not trying to take away any of that stuff, but... Who the president is is not going to dictate a lot of things, okay, to me anyways. Uh, All right, so that's that. And then turnout by demographics. We went over this in the PowerPoint, and just like old people are going to turn out to vote more often than young people. Uh, The more education you get are going to turn out more than the less education. So, you know, you're a high school grad soon. You're going to be a uh, college-educated person eventually. Uh, Most of you will be anyways. And uh, you're going to uh, be more likely to go vote than someone who dropped out in the sixth grade. All right. Uh, so just that kind of stuff. And there's, like I said, there's a PowerPoint that had a couple of different things on there. So if you want to take a look at that, but I don't think I think that question is going to be a graph question. So I think you'll be OK there. All right. We talked about tracking polls, American ideologies. We talked about them with the liberals versus conservatives. The only other one to talk about is the moderates, the centrists, the middle of the road people. Uh, and they're the ones that really the campaigns are going after because. The Republicans are going to vote Republican, probably. The Democrats are going to vote Democrats. You're not going to change their mind. Uh, But you do need to get those moderates, those centrists on your side. So, you know, people that could go either way, uh, that's who those uh, candidates are really having to to work on. All right. Okay. Last little bit here is fiscal policy, entitlements, and three types of taxes. So I didn't spend too much time on fiscal policy. Uh, I should have spent more on it and just didn't... uh, we talked quickly about economics, you know, uh, but, and we talked about taxes, but we didn't spend a great deal of time saying, hey, this is what fiscal policy is. So real quick, fiscal policy is just what the government, and when I say government, I mean Congress and the president, fiscal policy is what they can do to manipulate the economy, all right? And really, they only have two things they can do. They can lower and raise our taxes, and they can increase and decrease government spending. Those are the two things they can do in fiscal policy. So let's talk about those real quick. So let's say it's a recession that's happening. Okay, so we're kind of entering a a downturn right now when the pandemic hit and we quarantined and and sheltered in place and all that kind of stuff and and businesses shut down for the most part. We went into a little tail uh, nosedive, all right? And uh, the the government had to find a way to try and help. So that's kind of where we're at recession time. So what are they going to do? Well, in theory, they want to lower taxes. So they give us more money, me and you, because if we have more money, what do we tend to go do with it? We go spend it. All right. Even if we try and save it, we put it in the bank and the bank turns around and loans it out to people getting you know, cars and houses and things like that. So we're still it's still being spent. But anyways, they want to lower our taxes. So we spend more money. We put more money in the economy. Okay. Or they spend more. So the government, you know, back in the spring, they gave taxpayers... Uh, A stimulus check, that's government spending. They're also going to increase their government contracts a lot of times. So, you know, let's say just because it's easy and there's one just down the road, let's say they want to, you know, try and increase their spending. Uh, Maybe they increase the number of tanks and planes that they build or they want to buy, all right? There's not a a government factory somewhere just turning out tanks. They contract with private businesses. In this case, let's say Lockheed Martin, which is just down the road in, in, in Cobb County, who builds fighter jets. So they'll say, Lockheed, we're going to give you an extra $10 billion. We want you know, a thousand more planes or whatever it might be. Okay. So now Lockheed gets this $10 billion. And now that money is going to go into the economy because Lockheed has to buy the materials to build the planes. So now those businesses that make the nuts and bolts and the metals and the glass and all that kind of stuff and the engines uh, that go into those planes, they're going to get money from that $10 billion contract. So it's trickling down. Does that make sense? Okay. They're going to pay their employees that money, and those employees are going to turn around. They're going to spend the money or save it. Either way, it's going out into the economy. So the government has just put $10 billion into the economy. Now, next semester, you're going to get all this multiplier effects that I hate doing because it's stupid math, and math is stupid. Um, but you know, you'll know, you have to figure out, hey, okay, if they, if they spend $10 billion, what's the multiplier and, and stuff like that. You're, that? I'll save that for Ms. Lemmings. So you're not going to have to do that with me. But just understand that, okay? Now, if there's if things are going super good, and there's an expansionary period going on, uh, the government could contract. And so they could raise our taxes to take money out of our pocket, okay? Someone said math is not stupid. Well, it is, okay? Uh, you, Everybody, some people like it, some people love it. I hate it, all right? Uh, I, I I took two math classes in college, and then I've, I've never taken another. So that's, that's the, la- the last math class I took was 96. And that was one of the greatest days of my life when I finished that class. Anyways... Um, so if we're trying, if we're super expanding, they might try to raise taxes and pull money out of our pockets because what happens when we spend too much? Inflation happens, okay? So the the prices goes up and things like that. They might also cut their spending. Now, which do you think the government likes to do? Do you think they like to to give us money or take money from us? Well, no, they like to give us money because what are we? What are we? When are we most happy? when we have money. So the government likes to, to to lower taxes. Okay. And they like to spend, spend, spend because that keeps the voters happy and that helps them stay in office. All right. So that's fiscal policy. Now you're also going to get monetary policy, but I'm not going to talk about that because I don't want to confuse you. All right. Entitlements. These are things that you're going to get regardless of whether you need them or not. So let's talk about social security. So if you work your 30, 40 years, you retire at 65 or whatever the age is, and you're collecting a $5,000 Social Security payment, okay, and then you win a $100 million lottery, are they going to stop paying you, your Social Security? No, you're, you're entitled to it. You get it no matter what, no matter if you need it or not. You're going to get that, uh, that payment, okay? Does that make sense to everybody? So entitlement programs, and there's a couple of them. Social Security is just the easiest one. You're going to get that entitlement payment no matter what. Okay? Now, the other side is means-tested. And means-tested, that's where you have to meet a certain level. You have to be at a certain level. I always get Medicaid and Medicare mixed up, whichever one the, the is for lower incomes. All right? If you make under a certain amount, and it used to be $6,000, it's probably more now. But if, huh? Yeah. But if you make under that, then your medical bills are taken care of. Okay. You just go to the doctor and it's paid for. All right. Um, so, well, there are people that, that struggle that, that don't make that much. So, um, so they're, they can apply. You have to apply and you have to be able to prove that you're making you know, under a certain amount, but you, you can't. Um, you free reduced lunch. If you're over a certain amount of money or your parents are, then you're not going to qualify for free reduced lunch. Means tested. All right, so entitlement versus means tested. Entitlement, you get no matter what. Means tested, you have to meet a certain level. All right, last thing is the three types of taxes, and they are uh, progressive, proportional, and regressive. All right, so proportional, this is the one that sounds the most fair because everybody's paying the same amount. So let's just do whole numbers because those are nice and, and neat. And let's say it's 10%. So everybody pays 10%. The problem with that is if you're making $1,000 a month and you're paying 10%, so $100, versus someone making 10000 and paying 1000 that sounds fair, right? But who needs that money more? $1, the $1,000 person. That $100 is a big deal to them. Is the $1,000 a big deal to the, the person making 10000 Well, yeah, it's a lot of money, but... Can they live off of $9,000? Yeah. Can the person making $1,000 live off that $900? No, they're going to be stretched stretched pretty thin. So that $100 is pretty important to them. So the proportional sounds fair. Just everybody pays the same, but it's not always fair. Okay. And then we've got progressive. And progressive is the more you make, the more you pay. This is our income tax system. Okay. So the more you make, the more you're going to pay. It used to start, out, and I used to know the numbers because I used to teach economics quite a bit. Uh, it was like 15% was the the bottom bottom uh, bracket you were in, or maybe 10%. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've taught uh, economics seriously. Um, so, anyways, but you were there, and then as you made more, you pay you pay more. You, you know, so it's uh, the tax bracket. It topped out at like 34.8% or something like that. So if you won that hundred dollar, hundred million dollar lottery. Guess what? The first check you are writing, thirty-five million dollars to the federal government. Okay, yeah. uh, and then here in Georgia, if you want to here in Georgia, you're also going to pay a state income, which is a little bit. It's, it's a lot less, but you're still going to have to write that second check uh, to the state of Georgia. Alrighty. Um, so that's why you never get the full amount of your lottery winners because you have to write those taxes, pay those taxes uh, on that stuff. You know, Somebody said IRS is scarier than Batman <laughs> because Batman gets you, right. First of all, any like evidence that is like he gets illegally, can't be used in court. But if you like don't pay millions of taxes, you can't pre-design. Yes, no you of getting away from the IRS. Yeah. I, I told you about my dad. He hadn't paid taxes since 2000. He died in 2012. He left that, that tax bill to me and my sister. We're just, I think he died in 2012. We're just now fixing to get it taken care of uh, here in November. So um, um, you hmm. do it, right? we did the estate does. Like I was, I'm not personally responsible for it. But uh, the, the estate, had before we can close the estate, we have to pay off the IRS, basically. So, uh, you anyway, know, I'm, I'm not in a very good place with my dad, to be honest with you, okay? Because he, he had sold a, a piece of property for $7 million, so guess what? The taxes were pretty, he owed almost a quarter of a million dollars uh, to the IRS. So, I'm not in a really good place with my dad. So, anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then the last one was regressive, and a regressive tax uh, this is one that tends to fall on the lower incomes, okay? Now, once again, it's not the federal government sitting around thinking, how can we tax those people making you know, $5,000 a year or whatever it might be? It's just they, they it, it hurts them more, all right? So let's think sales tax. So if you're making that $1,000 a month and you go in to buy groceries and you're paying a high sales tax, are you hurt more than the person making that $10,000 a month? Well, yeah, all right? So regressive taxes just tend to fall on stuff. That's going to hurt uh, the lower incomes more than uh, people making a good chunk of money. All right. All right. Let me stop sharing and let me stop recording.